Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, it's wonderful. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Well, much, much appreciated. And I'll tell you in a minute, as we're starting this podcast, this is our first uh, interview that we're doing, and I'll tell you in a moment exactly why I picked you. But let me introduce my guest. This is uh, Rebecca Burnick. She is the CEO and founder at The Big Head, who thinks in boxes and arrows and loves to deliver relief to her entrepreneurial clients. And Rebecca's business is Office Heads. Rebecca, do you want to take a moment to tell people about Office Heads? Because they should know. Absolutely. Office Heads, is, uh, we, we provide financial management and tax services. So one could say, wow, what's so different about you at any other accounting firm? Um, we, we've, we specialize in processes. So we build really solid financial engines. We, we select the right tech stack. We put everything in place. We create a financial engine, put people in place. So the financial piece is humming really nice and smoothly in the background because we totally believe that every entrepreneur should get out from behind the desk and get out and do what they love to do. And chances are that's not finance and bookkeeping. So we really focus on education and helping people to understand their financial report so that they can get that information, get out and, uh, and steer their ship, which is their business. Excellent. Well, I can tell you we uh, have been customers and clients and friends of Office Heads, and they're amazing. So I guarantee you that certainly for me, and I think for a lot of folks who will be listening to this podcast, finance is not our thing. Processes is not our thing. Uh, we're systems thinkers, but more family systems, not financial systems. So Rebecca is top notch. So the question about how, you know, for an inaugural podcast about uh, mental health mentorship. How how did I come to choose Rebecca? And let me tell you, I'm going to tell you, Rebecca, how I chose you. So as we were discussing who would be someone that I considered a mentor, there were two people that came to mind and you were one of them. And when I thought about who would I want to interview, you were the top of the list. Yay! <laughs> kind of a double whammy because I think for, for the, our listeners, it'll be great for them to hear about processes and finance, and, and we'll have you back probably a few times if you're interested and up for it. Uh, but for certainly for me, your guidance really took the mystery and the sting out of how to pay attention to my business from a numbers perspective. So, uh, and I'll tell you, we met at the 10,000 Small Businesses, Goldman Sachs, and uh, we were in the same cohort. And Rebecca was such an invaluable part of that training for me. And since that training, Rebecca, we have tripled in size. Oh, I am so excited to hear that. Right. So, and that's in part because of you. So who better to have as part of our, our very first podcast than you? Uh, so thank you. I'm happy to publicly thank you. And uh, I'll privately thank you at some point too. But well, I will say if there was video on this, you'd see that I'm blushing. It's just, that it warms my heart and and reddens my cheeks. So well, I'm, I'm very glad. Thank you. 
Thank you. So, but I do thank you. It really made a huge, huge difference. So, you know, part of what we're talking about is, as, as you know, I had these conversations with you several times. Therapists learn very little about business, very little about finance, and that's probably generous just to say very little. So uh, they also don't really learn about mentoring. So this just seems like a good place to start. Why don't we begin with the mentoring piece. Did, did you have a mentor that was really meaningful to you at some point? Oh, absolutely. I'm in my 13th year with Office Heads. And prior to that, I had a, a wonderful 15 years at a strategic management consulting firm in, in Evanston and then moved to Chicago. And um, one of the partners of that firm, his name is Glenn Wolfson, and I think his birthday was yesterday. He was a phenomenal mentor and he, he gave me enough rope and enough education that, that if I had questions, I could go to him, but he would just say, just do your due diligence and come back to me. And then I would, you know, anywhere from every part of business operations from the finance piece to uh, technology, to communications, to strategy, all of that. So that he gave me the ability to make that 15 years my um, laboratory to learn all things small business in terms of how do you run a small business. And we strategized with Fortune 500 companies and I'd sit in those strategy meetings and when I started Office Heads, it's like, you know, just because we're small, even solopreneurs, we could benefit from the knowledge of tying your numbers into how do you operate, grow and thrive. Exactly. Exactly. Operate, grow and thrive. That's excellent. And happy birthday to Gordon. Yeah. So, right. So I've had probably, I don't know, half a dozen people in my life over the course of my 34 year career that. I have considered mentors, and some of them were clinical mentors. Some of them were get yourself in the 21st century with some technology mentors. Um, some of them were how how to run a business mentor, and that's really where you came in. Um, and just noting that all those other mentors were, were wonderful, but I didn't triple my business under their tutelage. So there's something to be said for being able to run your business by the numbers. Uh, also. Rebecca, I think the idea of knowing how to run a small business, there's a lot to it. There's, it's not just hanging up the shingle. So I'm glad you had good mentors. It taught you how to be a good mentor. And certainly one of the things that helped me in your mentorship of me, your mentoring of me, uh, was that you were very patient. You understood what I knew and what I didn't know. And you allowed me some freedom to just be sort of, you know, have my head in the clouds and to dream big. And then you would help bring me down to what was realistic. Uh, and I loved that process. I remember sitting in your room with a whiteboard and just being able to draw and, and talk about things that felt really important to me. So part of that was freedom. Part of it was being gentle and kind. And I would say in any kind of mentoring relationship, I certainly do this when I'm in that honored position to mentor somebody that I really try to not be judgmental. And it's, you know, I don't have to try particularly hard. I don't think it's, it's just listening. It's giving people space to have their own process, to be able to dream, to be able to make mistakes, to learn, to not know. So that, that sounds like a lot of what you're able to do with me. 
Well, what I also I also think that when it comes to finance, you know, every I, a lot of people go back to like third grade math, and then the hair on their neck stands up, and then they just shut their eyes and they want to and they and they just want to think about anything else but that. You took a picture of me when we were doing this together. That's exactly what I looked like. like no. <laughs> <laughs> but I really what I I like to tell I like to tell stories and to and to give examples and I don't use finance terms I don't use accounting terms I like to bring it down into just be it more of a storytelling so that nobody feels stupid because I think people feel like they're going to get caught or they're going to feel stupid because they don't know something and and that could be under the judgment piece but it's more of Listen, you, you know, you didn't go to business school and, and, and even I'll tell you what, even accountants will call me and say, we didn't learn this stuff in school. It was all textbook stuff, but how to apply it and to think about business from a business side and pull it and lace it all together with a story. I don't have to try that hard when I do that either, but I'm proud of I'm proud of myself because, for example, people will come out of budgeting and you've experienced this coming out of a budgeting meeting and go, well, not only did that not hurt, it was kind of fun. Whoa, I do my job. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that and it really was fun. It was fun to sit in you and have and with you and have these conversations, which was shocking to me because I was totally that third grade, probably second grade math hair on the back of the neck kind of person. So 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 if you were to say, so I kind of rattled off my list of what I thought was good in a mentor. What do you think is good? What are good traits for a mentor to to have? Number one, you have to connect with the person. You know, um, if you go out and you and a you should connect with the person really well, just almost on a personal comfort level. But then you you have the, the they have expertise in the areas where you lack. I, I think that's super important. And if you get a mentor and it, it's not working out, you shouldn't feel you should just go. Nope, this one isn't working for me because it really should be a safe place to be able to just ask your questions and to learn. So I think that listening to your gut and making sure that it's a good fit, I think that's super important. Absolutely. Yeah, I would completely agree. Right. You have to like the person, even if they have a great um, background and some expertise that sounds stellar. If you don't like the person, if you don't click, it's probably not going to work. So yep. it also needs to just be somebody that you sort of like. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So how, how would you suggest someone go about finding an appropriate mentor? Like, did you just, you, it sounded like you were working with someone and that's how you found them. I'm sure you were working with lots of people. How did you pick? You know, well, I'll tell kind of a story too. I, there was this woman that, that, that I used to, we used to go out for a drink and just chat all the time. And it wasn't, it was like two years later when she says, you know, you're my mentor. I'm like, well, what I am? I think it has to first start with, okay, first of all, you're a business owner, right? You start a business. And then you have, and, and I'm talking about bootstrapping, starting a business. And you're usually living under a rock and just trying to get things done and figure stuff out all by yourself. I think it's super important to get out there and to network. And then once you're networking, you start to, and so this is not just mentorship. It's just like the whole business process. You start to learn your elevator pitch and you start feeling comfortable about how you talk about yourself. And while you're doing that, then you're meeting people that you enjoy and then you learn about them. And then maybe you start seeing other business groups that maybe you join a business group or or something, you know, you start getting out there. Then you find the people that speak to you. 
And then you have to be comfortable enough to just admit that you, you know, you don't know everything and ask the right questions. And I think it just is, I think the organic piece, it just, it just falls into place. Right. Yeah. I love that idea of, you know, not necessarily formally interviewing people, but, but going in with the possibility that you might find somebody who's really going to be a good mentor for you. And how do you connect with them? How do you go in and just have a conversation, find out if they might be somebody that you have a good, a good vibe with? I love yeah. that. This woman that I was talking about, I met her at an event at the local chamber of commerce. It was a golf event and I don't golf. So they're like, okay, where can we stick Rebecca? <laughs> that doesn't really care whether or not she like beats up the grass. And it was a, just a group of women. And then we were laughing and we were talking about business. And then we ended up, you know, hey, let's get together and talk about something else. And before you knew it, once a month, we would just get on the phone. And and then it just sort of happened. That's great. So certainly, Rebecca, you're very social, very personable. I consider myself fairly social. I'm really pretty comfortable going in and meeting people I don't know and striking up a conversation, whether they like it or not sometimes. But, um, but what about, you know, a lot of therapists tend to be introverts. They tend to not like to do networking. They tend to not like to talk to people. They, they don't want to talk to people they don't know. So how would you suggest people who are less social? And I know it's hard when you ask somebody who's very social and personable, gosh, what do you do when you're... <laughs> I don't know. But, but I will tell you that, the, that my answer is the same. Is it, it's, it's sorry, you have to do it. Because right. it's... Because it's it, so I'll back up a little bit. And something that I learned in my 15 years um, at this strategic management consulting firm, I um, at the time for them and I use for all of my clients, I have selected 12 areas of internal management. And the acronym for that is AIM. So this is like these are the areas or the departments of your business that you pay attention to. One is sales and the other one is marketing. Because without getting out there and marketing and letting the world know you exist, and number two, knowing how to, once they know you're there, close the deal, absolutely instrumental in growing a business. And if you are more of an introvert, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. I would say that maybe when you find your mentor, maybe you're going to find someone more on that marketing or that piece to help you come out of your shell, because it's going to be really tough to be able to grow your business if you're not talking about yourself and you're not getting out there. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think there are a fair number of therapists who are solopreneurs. They have their business. They do, they do their practice like, you know, most other therapists do. It's one hour, one client at a time, and that's their business. And for them, that works really well. And then there are therapists who want to perhaps do more. They want to spread um, into other areas. They want to do maybe some some training or um, they want to write a book or there are other things that might be of interest to them, but they can't really do that as long as their income is tied to the clinical hour and you have to do 25 of those a week to make all of your bills. So those folks then need to know what else to do next. So maybe they know how to be a solopreneur, but that's different than having a small business where other lives are involved. So yep. Right. So being able to get out there and let people know you exist, that's exactly what I tell people. That's to me what marketing is. 
I just, I let people know that we're here. I think of us sometimes like, um, did you ever read Horton Hears a Who? Yes, of course. Right. So you remember the who's down in Whoville and that they finally have to get somebody to say yop, that littlest (laughs) says yop and it rises above. And finally, everyone in the jungle can hear it. Sometimes I feel like that little kid standing at the very top of the tower screaming yop. So yop needs to rise to the top. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to really point out that none of this is easy. You know, you could be really, really good at what you're doing. And then when, as soon as you jump into something that you don't know what you're doing and and you have to trust and you have to jump and take that leap of faith, because first of all, that leap of faith for and for anybody, actually, but even the, the introvert, you've got to trust that it's going to work out. You're going to trust that you can do this. But then, oh, my goodness, what happens when you're a success? Then all of a sudden you have to hire somebody. And then when you hire somebody, then you become a manager and then and all that's going to be new. So that mentor that you have in one area, and just exactly as you mentioned, you had different mentors at different stages when you needed them. So always pick the ones that you really connect with. But, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, I'm kind of, I've learned as much as I can from this person. And then you go to the next because you might need assistance in different areas. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I needed a mentor in finance without even realizing it. Uh, so, yes, somebody, they might need a mentor, as you mentioned, in marketing and sales, which those are like dirty words to therapists, right? Marketing and sales. But it really is that getting your yap to the top. That's it. Just letting people know if people don't know about the good work you do, they're not going to come to you. So it doesn't matter what your business is. It's just letting people know you exist. So, And if you're very, very good at what you do and you help people and you improve their lives and their, and, and their quality of life, why not get out and try to get more people to understand so you can help more people? You know, because if you just take a look at it as marketing and sales, that's business. But if you look at it, I can help so many more people. Boom, there you have it. There's your incentive. Exactly. Right. So thank you from my mentor. That's a great way to frame it. (laughs) Right. So we need to be able to, of course, therapists are helping people. We want to help as many people as we can. And we need to let people know that we're available to do it. And sometimes we need more people on board so that we can help more people. I think that's a perfect way to look at it. So if I were to mentor someone as a therapist, and you know, you know me a little bit, If I were to mentor them in business, which is what's going to be part of this podcast, given what you know about me, what suggestion would you have? Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, you're just so kind and caring and lovely. So I think no matter anybody that you 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 strive to mentor with is just going to come off, come come away with, you know, so much. That's the soft stuff. I have the hard stuff. I mean, I like Excel and I like numbers. And, you know, anytime there's feelings, I'm like, what? How do you handle that? So you've got, but you've got both, right? You've come through, you've got the soft and the good stuff to be able to take care of people and to talk appropriately to people who you're mentoring. But you also have these wonderful, great experiences of tripling your business. So you can give examples. You can say, these are the mistakes that I've made. Um, This is what I would have done differently. These are people I can connect you with. You have so much experience to be able to share over the course. I mean, we met five years ago. In the last five years, oh, just so much information and experience to be able to share. That's just telling those stories and, and listening, which is, you know, you're also great at listening. 
that's that's what you need to do to mentor. Well, thank you. I appreciate the vote of confidence that I have both, because at this point, I feel like I do, because I've gotten some good training from other people. So, and the other thing is, you know, a mentor may not know everything, but you want a mentor who also knows their limits, and you want a mentor who knows how to help you find answers. Yes. So I'm hoping to be able to do that for folks as well. You'll do great. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So what is the one thing a therapist really needs to understand about finances and running a small business? Or the top three? Well, first of all, I would just say with the finance piece, it, it's not rocket science. So what you need is a process, the desire and a little bit of discipline and anyone can do it. I think a lot of people, they need to get past uh, over the hurdle of going, oh, I don't know, and then shutting down. So it really is not that hard. That's number one. Number two is an understanding how to read a financial report. To me, that is the, you know, other than the, the, the selecting your tech stack and having the right tools and the right people in, in the roles to be able to get it done, to have that, and this is business ownership, whether you're a solopreneur or you're someone that's got many, many people underneath you, to take the time um, on a monthly basis, awesome, but at least at a minimum on a quarterly basis to turn off your phone, turn off the computer, sit in a nice cozy chair, grab your financial reports and read them and understand what they say. Because if, and, and then from there, make a plan for the next quarter of what you're going to change, what you're going to use. It's so, understanding those reports is total key for understanding your practice and making changes. Yeah, that's a, I think that's critical for people to know how to read their profit and loss and balance sheets. And one of the things we talked about repeatedly was I can't just look at the number of dollars I have in the bank. That's called bank balance accounting. And that says nothing other than the fact that you've got that much money in the bank. Yep. So, you know, looking at your history and the flow of your cash is great. I will tell you also, and I think this is probably pretty key for, um, for therapists, is don't be afraid to collect the money. So I think, and, and this is true with a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, oh, I'm scared to ask for the money. But you know what? If, if you've got a client who already is knows that they want to come see you, you've already done the hard work. They know that they're going to have to pay you. And so having a system that's in place to collect the money on a regular basis, that is going to help with any type of cash flow. And then you don't have to worry about that piece. So if you, if you can automate or get a piece in place on how to collect then you're you don't have to sit down and go oh shoot i haven't invoiced in a month or two and my bank balance my bank is getting low and what do i do now and oh i'm afraid to ask and which are all normal entrepreneurial fears um but that piece right there is they already have said yes when they said they're going to come and see you so it's just a process of following through on on collections exactly boy that's so well stated and it, if you have a process in place and you collect regularly and the relationship around money is set early on and you've had the overt discussion, I can't tell you how many. So we have 40 therapists in our practice 
And wow. I, I have to regularly intervene because someone has gotten into a bind with a client around not collecting copays, not collecting deductibles. And of course, people get into binds and we'll we'll cover that in the podcast at some point about how do you handle that in a humane kind way. However, sometimes it really has nothing to do with the person's actual finances. Sometimes it's about the therapist feeling like they're not good and kind and loving and that they're really being greedy if they ask the client to follow through on the commitment that they've made. And quite frankly, the insurance companies require it of us. It's not really, it's non-negotiable. The insurance companies require that we collect those deductibles and co-pays. We are bound by contract. So once we start tinkering with that, it communicates something to the client or as you said, if we don't do the collections regularly, if we don't run the credit card regularly, if we don't run our billing regularly, that says to people, no, you know, money here doesn't really matter. And of course, it's not the main reason that we became therapists, but I'm also not doing it for a hobby. Right. This also, it's, it's also how I pay my bills. And quite frankly, it keeps the therapy relationship so much more clean. It keeps it cleaner and neater and more predictable and actually reduces stress between the therapist and the client. Because this isn't that kind of situation where I can say, well, you know, I just really like you. So I'm just going to write this all off. That's just not what this is about. So that's well, really- I, and I think, I think too, Margo, there are two different things. You're looking at the being kind and humane side, which is true, but then you also have something you already brought up. You have some introverts here. And asking for money is really hard for introverts as it would be going to a networking thing and shaking someone's hand. Well, you can't do that now, but bumping elbows and saying, hey, this is what I do. But there are, you know, definitely there are ways to do this. And even if it's, you know, stop for a second and say, well, how would I feel when I came in? If How would I want this to feel when I walk into a, um, a therapist's office? And even if it's, you know, that you have a handwritten note that says, this is our collections and this is how we do this. And, and you know, there's ways to, to you have to have your process and then communicate that process and then implement on that process. And so however fit feels good and kind in someone's heart um, is the way to be able to do it. But then you got to stick to it. <laughs> right. And being clear and being consistent is being kind. It's probably the kindest thing we can do around money. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great advice. Well, so Rebecca, this is such a delight to sit down and get to speak with you. I wish we could do it more often and maybe we will. Maybe you'll come back at some point and we can dig into these weeds a little bit about how do we read our profit and loss sheet and balance sheets. And for people who don't know what that is, your tax attorney has it every year. They have this on you. It's not a special little secret, decret piece of paper. Uh, these are pieces of paper that your accountant is working with every time you send off your information to them. So I, I think this would be great information. And maybe just another time about just small business in general, because your small business is awesome. Um, I love the way you run your business. You walk into office heads. The vibe is always cool and very friendly, very professional. So there's a lot for people to learn there. And Rebecca, do you mind sharing with the, our listeners what your hobby is? One of your hobbies, you have a picture of it right over your shoulder. Well, uh, well, I will say it was my hobby. I am a retired uh, vintage motorcycle racer. 
And I have a handful of records um, on the Bonneville Salt Flats and also um, on asphalt land speed racing. So, yes. And so if you go, if you talk, if you go take a look at Office Ed's website or you talk to me, there's so many analogies I use because running a business and winning in business and winning on the track, there's so many parallels. So I will, you know, I just can't help it to kind of tie in some of my motorcycle experiences with running a business. Absolutely. <laughs> You still have your uh, uniform that you wore with your helmet and the bike. It's here in the office, along with my, one of my land bikes. Yes, <laughs> if you want to see it, go visit Rebecca at Office Heads. Highly recommended. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. I feel like I got some extra mentoring once again. I'm looking forward to passing it on to other people. Please join us again. We hope to see you next time. I will absolutely come back anytime that you ask. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Margot. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.